Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Spot, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Um, and it's episode 23. Which means... Prime number. Yeah. It's it's just like Jim Carrey's uh, uh, thriller debut, the number 23. Um... <laughs> Yes, this is going to be a prime podcast. Let me tell hey. you. Uh, which, which means it's that time of season where we bring to you one of our handy decks off of our bookshelf of deck boxes. Uh, I'll come up with a, a snappier title, I'm sure. Um, and this this time around, it's my turn. Uh, I have brought to you all, for show and tell, my Raf Capuchin deck. That's right, um, we're rolling commons here. We're rolling on commons here. <laughs> um, Raf Capuchin, for those who don't know, is two white and a blue for a 3 3 flyer. And he says, You may cast historic spells as though they had flash. I think that's it. Uh, he also has flash himself. Oh, he also has Flash himself. Yeah. Thank you. I wasn't looking at the card. No. Um, <laughs> Historic Spells was a Dominaria thing. Uh, it includes artifacts, legendaries, and sagas. So you can play those as if they had Flash, which is pretty neat. I bet the folks at home can take a wild guess what this deck is mostly filled with. <laughs> I would hope so. I mean, you can uh, go check the link. Just yeah. to confirm your, your suspicions, but let me tell you, you're not going to be disappointed. So, um, a little little backstory for this deck. Um, those who have who've listened to, I think probably our first episode, will remember a story of me going to my first pre-release uh, and strapping some On Sarah's Wings onto Traxos, Scourge of Krug. Uh, and and beating face with it, uh, and I wanted to do that again and again and again. And uh, well, it's really hard to do the mono brown thing, colorless, uh, to get an on Sarah's wings in. Uh, it is. So I I figured I'd at least put in white, and then. Uh, Figured I'd throw in some blue when uh, when I saw Raf Capuchin in my pile of Dominaria pre-release cards. I was like, "Hey, you know what? This will this will work just fine." Because then I can flash in Traxus at the end of turn. Uh, for those who don't remember, he's a four mana seven seven uh, that doesn't untap on your untap step, uh, <clears throat> but he untaps when you play historic spells. So that's pretty cool. Um, so Andy, does that mean that uh, or this deck is more of a uh, a hit with a hidden commander? Like I oh, mean, absolutely. Does Traxos is the real commander. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, kind of. Uh, Traxos is kind of the hidden commander of this deck. Um, there was a lot that was brewed around Traxos himself, and then I kind of uh, I didn't have enough for a deck, uh, so I decided to go the the raf route um and it was it was just like a lot of uh historic spells which are pretty sweet in in uh 
EDH, you're going to play a lot of artifacts, you're going to play a lot of legendaries. Uh, it's easy to fill up a deck with those things. Right. Um, I think the first include after um, Traxos himself was, uh, well, obviously on Sarah's Wings, uh, because it was a legendary uh, enchantment, you can also flash that in, and uh, it gives Traxos vigilance if you put it on Traxos, and it will untap Trax- Traxos because it's legendary. Um, and after that, uh, a lot of uh, artifact recursion. Um, this was also kind of a reason why I went into blue as well as white. Um, was because I had the cards. Uh, no, it's not even in here. Forget I said anything. Um, there's Ritual of Restoration, which is a white sorcery. It's one white to return target <clears throat> artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, there's also a blue one that does it, which is apparently not in this deck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Reconstruction, uh, I think, is the one you're thinking about. Yeah, Reconstruction. Um, at which one point, I had it in this deck. I was going to say, because I've seen it in your deck. So either right. it's come out or it's been added since we've seen this. Uh... Um, from there, it was a lot of adding of uh, things that made my artifacts cheaper or stronger. So like Chief of the Foundry, Foundry Inspector. Uh, I put in uh, uh, Voltaic Servant, which if I don't have a way to give Traxos Vigilance, Voltaic Servant gives it like pseudo vigilance by untapping it at the end of the turn mm-hmm. um, workshop assistant brings it back to hand um, a lot of just kind of uh, basic uh, artifact creatures that you'd find in a lot of mono brown decks um, you got mirror battle sphere metalwork colossus metalwork colossus is fascinating because if you have I mean metalwork colossus is a 10 10 it costs uh, it costs eleven, but it costs X less to cast, where X is the total converted mana cost of non non creature artifacts you control. So I mean, with Raph out, you get a cheaper metalwork Colossus at flash speed, um, uh, depending on also the artifacts you have out. Yeah, uh, so it was just kind of built from there, uh, and then I went into more of the non creature artifacts. Uh, Ashnod's Altar, um, just kind of to give it a bit of a boost on... I mean, if I'm taking uh, my artifacts out of my graveyard anyway, I can put them into my graveyard uh, if need be as well. Uh, got my Signets. Uh, so I have a question. Yeah. What's the story with Sisse's Ring? Sisse's Ring. Uh, well... Uh, there was once a time where I did not have much of a collection, and uh, you gave me a box of cards. Um, and there were probably 20-ish Sisse's rings in that box. Uh, and after, like, looking at the card, like, sure, it costs four, but it gives you two. So, like, to be obviously, fair, if you... Um, just real quick, for the audience who, who haven't had the opportunity to play with Sisse's ring... Uh, it is Soul Ring, but instead of costing <laughs> one, it costs four. Yeah, and if you're gonna if you're gonna directly compare it to Soul Ring, of course it looks like garbage. But if you compare it to say Commander Sphere, um, 
with Commander Sphere, you're paying three for one. Um, or uh, any of the three mana, mana rocks that you're going to get one out of. Uh, this, you're getting half as much as what you're putting in. Um, it's like uh, Everflowing Chalice if you paid four. Right. Um, well, Andy, and to be fair, I mean, I am not, you know, this is this is not me mocking you for your choice. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I mean, every deck, you know, almost every deck runs Soul Ring. Right. Well, so you can't run another Soul Ring. Mm. So you, you have to go... You know, Soul Ring is in every deck because it's that good. So you're expected to go to the next lower, you know, the next tier down to find more mana rocks. And, you know, I yeah. don't know that, uh, especially in this deck, where of the lion's share of the cards are colorless, um, <laughs> your mana rocks don't necessarily have to produce either white or blue or both. Uh, yeah. As, you know, being able to produce two manas a good thing all by itself and even if it does cost four um you know i ran sisse's ring regularly um admittedly i ran it for the i ran it at least in part for the art but um <laughs> please check out uh, check out donato's art on that one uh that man does a hand like nobody's business oh my god the one with the maps it's so <clears throat> yeah. good uh and it just recently got reprinted um was it commander legends um, I mean, it's I it's so. it's a good card uh, if you're tired of Soul Ring. Yeah. Um, it's oh, it's a good card in addition I, to Soul Ring. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it is no replacement for Soul Ring. No, um, unless for some reason <clears throat> price spikes for Soul Ring. But uh, I mean, Sisse's Ring at four mana, like the the point you're putting it out on the board, um, you don't. It generally, two colorless is all you need. Um, I have God Pharaoh statue in here. Um, I got it out once. It it's uh it's a bit of a pain to all of your enemies, opponents, opponents. Um, so I, I might be taking that one out, but it helps with Metal Orc Colossus. Um, I've got Immortal Sun, which uh, is pretty great. Um, that's more of the, the self-love than the opponent hate of the God Pharaoh statue. Um, it, sh it shuts off planeswalkers, but, uh, our play group doesn't really play many planeswalkers. Right. Overall. I, do... I mean, like we, we play some here and there, but. Right. I do have a question. You do have one planeswalker in the deck. I do. Uh, Jace, wielder of mysteries. <laughs> um, for those wondering, it has a static ability. It says if you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it, you win the game instead, um, mm -hmm. and then the plus uh, the plus one and minus eight abilities. The plus one is target player puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard, draw a card, and the minus eight is draw seven cards. Um, okay, so it starts at four. We're not going to worry about the minus eight. I'm sure you weren't <laughs> thinking about the minus eight when you put it in here, um, right? And the likelihood that you were thinking about, ooh, I'm going to win using the static ability probably wasn't too high on the list either. Um, but a plus one that says target player does something and then draw a card. Uh, I mean, hey, you can get somebody else to mill something and then you draw a card. Yeah, um, I think I think uh, it was partly that. It, it, it's a very flexible card. 
um, especially if I'm flashing it in at the end of somebody else's turn. Um, I can use it as a lightning rod to kind of make people look at this instead. Um, or I can use it to fill my own graveyard if I've got enough uh, recursion. Um, you know, uh, get things back out of the graveyard into my hand. Sure. Um, and then obviously draw a card is always nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I would ever expect to win the game off this card. Uh, and if I do, great. Um, but yeah, it's it's there because it's historic. It's there because it draws. I mean, uh, probably you're going to get at least two cards off of it. Um, I don't think people are going to see it too much of a threat uh, at at five loyalty um after the first activation right um so it's it's there for the utility rather than like the win more um um now this may come from a a sort of simplistic spot but um when i when i was looking at the list i saw naiad of the of hidden coves in your in your list um now I don't really need you to explain what this card does for the deck. <laughs> um, for the folks at home, this is a two and a blue for a two, three creature. It says, as long as it's not your turn, spells you cast cost one less to cast. Now, obviously with Wrath giving all your historic spells flash, it means you've got a lot of cards that you don't want to cast on your turn. And if you cast them on somebody else's turn, uh, they're going to cost one less. I'd never heard of this card. And it just fits so well with this deck. It's just, it's spectacular. I really like this this one. Yeah. So uh, the the kind of story behind this card is like, uh, I I had originally made a raft deck for the purposes of playing Traxos um, back in twenty eighteen. Is that right? Sounds. Uh, whenever that PAX was. Uh, and I, I've told that story before, <laughs> yeah. too. Um, and it was kind of very counter-heavy uh, in terms of, like, countering things. Uh, and uh, it was just, like, a lot of flash speed kind of dirtily garbage. Uh, and... I kind of disassembled it almost immediately after playing it. And uh, it, it was a deck that I kind of always wanted to end up going back to. And then I saw this card in Theros Beyond Death, Nyad of Hidden Coves, and uh, it reminded me of Wrath. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to finally do it. Nice. And so I finally, when when the pandemic hit and we were all quarantined, I decided to uh, revisit this deck uh, as you and our play group kind of started playing Commander on uh, Tabletop Simulator, I was like, you know what? It's a great time to just kind of throw some cards together, see how it works uh, before committing too hard. Um, because, I mean, I if anybody knows anything about me, it's that I rarely play blue. Um, I think it's this deck, and I've got blue in 
my Moldrosa deck, which I was trying to purposefully power down, and that is just a value engine that goes nowhere type of thing. Um, that that is a good deck for stalling games, um, but uh, you you can kind of see I kind of go out of my comfort zone in terms of uh, in terms of budget, honestly. Um, but I think most of it kind of comes in the lands. Um, I think um, lands that I th- lands that are in this deck that I don't own, or at least at the time that I made it, was Academy Runes, which I have since op- uh, I, I've since opened in my my uh, box of Double Masters. Uh, Glacial Fortress is pretty high up there. Uh, that's the Ixalan, yep. uh, unless you control a plains or an island. Uh, so there's just like a couple cards that are higher costed than I normally would put in. Seacrum Coast. Um, I think I already had a Hallowed Fountain, um, but like there's there's a few cards that are like a little more than I would normally spend, uh, and it's because I was like we're quarantined and uh, we had started playing on on a tabletop simulator, um, right? So I was essentially using. Uh, proxies which you know great yeah i have a question um, um mm-hmm. so we've talked a little bit about the deck and yeah. obviously you know traxos on sarah's wings um what what are some of the other all-stars in the deck i mean yeah. i know that you've played this several times now i've faced it a number of times <laughs> um so i'm curious as to which cards you would see as the all-stars? Which which are the ones that I should be focusing my attention on, Andy, so that I can then, you know, so I can now recover? Um, to to kind of give you, uh, to, to show my hands for the next time we play. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, definitely any, uh, well, we've got my pet card, which is Joy Was Familiar. Makes yeah. historic spells cost, cost one less to cast. Uh, which is always great, especially like I. This is one of the first cards I put in, in any of my commander decks because it helps with, you know, any of your commanders, uh, commander attacks, etc. Um, in terms of like all stars for this deck, I really like. I've got a small, like a very small extra turns package. I've got Metamai the Ageless. I've mm-hmm. got Karn's Temporal Sundering. Honestly, be, just because I have the cards, right? Because um, honestly, I don't remember seeing them come out. Like, oh, I don't I've, remember the last time you got a chance to do multiple turns with this deck. Last last time we played, okay. I got Karn's Temporal Sundering. Uh, nice. Last time I played this deck, uh, I got Karn's Temporal Sundering come out, and it was great. Um, Tishar, Ancestor's Apostle. Honestly. It's a great it's a great card uh i mean any mono white uh player will tell you it is a great card um if i was ever to consider dropping blue danitha capuchin paragon would be the leader of this deck um hands down i would get rid of the blue add in a bunch of equipment for some sort of voltron type uh style deck um that said, there are two equipments and three auras in this deck, so she doesn't do a lot, but she's great uh, because uh, she's got First Strike, Vigilance, and Lifelink. 
Um, just all great, th- all three are excellent white abilities. Um, and, you know, between that and the fact that I have Gerard Capuchin, uh, I've got the, the whole family. Um, it was just kind of like, I, I need to, I need to do this. Surprisingly, I uh, don't have the weatherlight in here, but you know what? Uh, maybe I would drop the Immortal Sun for that, because Immortal Sun is expensive. It um, is, it is, but it's usually well worth it. Yes. Um, kind of a, uh, a secret tech here, Time of Ice um, is amazing at flash speed. Play it at the end of somebody's turn, uh, or play it at the end of the person before you use turn, and then it ticks up at the beginning of your turn as well. Um, oh, so and you then, get the the first you get one and two virtually right after yeah, each other. Exactly. Um, um, same with Antiquities War. Antiquities War is generally just a fine card, but if you get those first two chapters right away, you get to look at the top ten cards of your deck. You get two artifacts into your hand. Uh, so I mean, honestly, like sagas are amazing, amazing things. Um, something that I don't see played enough is uh, soft removal, like Law Mage's Binding. Um, it's essentially a three mana arrest at flash speed. Um, and I mean, with Danitha, it's just white and a blue. Um, for those who don't know, Law Mage's Binding is one white blue flash enchant creature. Enchanted creature can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. Um, uh, a handy a handy follow-up to Law Mage's Binding. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another aura out there. It's called Curse of Chains. Uh, now, this one's a little harder to find. I think it's a little more expensive. It's from it's from uh, Shadowmoor. Uh, it's an aura. It costs one and a hybrid white or blue, white blue. And it says, at the beginning of each upkeep, tap enchanted creature. Whoa. So, this prevents creatures from tapping for mana because they would have to tap on their upkeep. And then yep. they have to be able to use the mana instantly. So, that rarely happens. It says, on each upkeep... So even players that are running Seedborn Muse are not getting help. Is this thing's going to retap it on every upkeep? Right. Um, yeah. It. Yeah. So it's uh, and it's going to wait. Wouldn't that this would trigger and resolve before Seedborn Muse though? Wouldn't um, it? Maybe. Or no. It, I don't know. Either way, I mean, I'm not looking at it so much as you know, right to go after the Seedborn Muse player. It is a way to. It was a way to just lock somebody down. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. So, so with Danitha, it's, you know, just uh, a white or a blue. Right. So. And if you if you look over to my, my instance, you'll see that I have a handful of counters. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you just got to play them, especially yeah. where this deck kind of lacks its own protection. Um, in the instance, for the most part, I've got 13 instance. I'd say eight to nine of them are either removal by counters removal by removal like generous gift or disenchant or sword splash air settle the wreckage uh but also uh protection by things like unsummon uh blinking things back to your hand um which um 
honestly in this deck is less of protection and more for uh getting any triggers i can by casting historic spells getting the value of casting historic spells again and again so like unsummoning something to get it back to my hand to play it again to untap traxos or uh whatever right um there's a lot of things that i wish were different about this deck but uh before we get there uh i'm gonna throw it over the break uh we're gonna listen to an ad and we'll be right back This episode of Temple of Fosspod brought to you by Port Town. When you hear Port Town, you might think of yachts, friendly people, open, clean air, bustling commerce. But here on Innistrad, you'd be wrong. Located in some dense fog along the Falios coast, Port Town haunts its citizens with the worst kind of terror. It's other citizens. Port Town. When you're looking for skeevy, when you're looking for slimy, when you're looking for dirtbags, assassins, murderers, you come to Port Town. Now back to you guys. All right. Uh, thanks, guys. Uh, I wish I wish there was more things like factor fiction in this deck, um, but you know. Uh, this is generally like a second draft of this deck. Right. Uh, Are you happy with your card draw package? Like, do you feel like I, you've got enough card draw? I mean, um, I haven't. I haven't been sitting here, you know, trying to count up the amount of card draw you have. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm genuinely asking. Not especially. Um, it could use more card draw. Um, I think, for instance, Thassa is in the deck. Thassa Deep Dwelling from Theros Beyond yeah. Death. Uh, she doesn't do a lot. She blinks things, or she flickers things um, at the end of your, or at the beginning of your end step, but that's not super helpful in this deck because Traxos, for instance, uh, is a cast trigger rather than right. an enter the battlefield trigger. Uh, but, I mean, there's also other things um, in this deck that could use the help. In terms of card draw... We've got Jace. On, uh, honestly, with Thassa, I mean, even on a creature that doesn't have an enter the battlefield trigger, it's an easy way to take a creature that, that swings. It's tapped, and then at the beginning of your end step, you flash it back into play, and it's now untapped and ready to block. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, so, I mean, worst case scenario, you're you're giving a creature vigilance. So, um, And I know Brago King Eternal is also in the deck. I haven't seen too much of him in mo- in our games. He comes out, it seems to me, just often enough to annoy me, but... <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think, honestly, like looking again at this deck, uh, I've noted a few cards that I could easily take out, especially for cost reasons, um, to put in better card draw. Right. I mean, we talked about it in our episode last season about white card draw and maybe this isn't a place for uh dawn of hope where i need to gain life but uh finding something similar or uh i just cracked a keeper the cord i think having something to thin out the i mean i've got 38 lands in here that's well more than enough for this deck um i know you would probably say that it's not enough but uh this this mana curve averages three three and a half yeah. And vastly drops off after four. Yeah. But, you know, 
it's a it's a lot of uh, low to the ground, um, try to do the thing type of stuff. Um, so to to thin out any of the lands would be that when I do draw, I kind of ensure that it's a little better than uh, pulling a Temple of Enlightenment on turn six. Like, <laughs> nobody wants a tapped land on turn six. Right. My favorite kind of package is the Mass Removal. Yeah. Um, well, I noticed, got, I noticed you've got Settle the Wreckage, and you you have made a point in previous shows to, <laughs> to, to sell your love, love for Settle of the Wreckage. Or Settle mm. the Wreckage. Settle the Wreckage is yeah. uh, a lovely card, but uh, a few sets later we also got Shatter the Sky, yeah. which is the same cost but sorcery. But for that difference, it also says each player who controls a creature with four, uh, power four or greater draws a card. Uh, that part is not great, but uh, the next part is then destroy all creatures. Right. So it's a wrath. Uh, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, River's Rebuke is pretty good. Uh, it's it's a nice uh, targeted rift. Um, it's four and two blue. Uh, it says return all non-land permanents. Target player controls to their owner's hand. So like if yeah. somebody, if you've got a, a if you've uh, got somebody who's running away with the game, right? It's yeah. easy to just kind of turn this on them, and right. Uh, it doesn't feel as bad as a rift. Um, it's also a hell of a lot cheaper in terms of moolah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a quick question. Yeah. Why Legion's Landing? Just because Ooh. you wanted some early tokens, or Legion's Landing is just a great card to begin with. Um, oh, I see. It's legendary as well, so you can flash it in. Yeah, so you can flash it in. It's one white. It's a legendary enchantment. It says, "When Legion's Landing enters the battlefield, create a one-one white vampire creature token with lifelink. Uh, when you attack with three or more creatures, transform Legion's Landing." So you know you flash this in. Uh, I mean, you can't flash it in turn one, but. Uh, you flash it in with Raph out, you're pretty good to go. Uh, people aren't don't really see it coming. Um, I mean, it's 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 pretty tasty. Its flip side, its flip side is Adanto the first fort. Uh, so it turns into a legendary land that says uh, tapped for a white mana. It also says for two and a white, and tap create a one one white vampire creature token with lifelink. So it's, I mean, you're playing blue and you're playing flash. So like you are going to want to keep up as much as you can most of the time. You're going to be playing your game on other people's turns. Um, I've always wondered and, about a Danto, the first fort. I was never sure if I really wanted to pay three mana for a one So like the nice thing is that as lifelink, um, this card got a lot of play in standard. Uh, which is kind of how I saw it okay. uh, to begin with, uh, watching people play Arena on Twitch. Uh, <laughs> but uh, honestly, it's a great mana sink if you are keeping up for counter spells. Uh, it doesn't go to waste. Uh, you're getting something out of it, especially for a blocker. Uh, you go from taking a lot of damage to gaining a life and losing a creature. Actually, you're netting zero. So Right. And uh, hey, you know, if you're playing with the first, you know, the first fort, mm-hmm. I mean, come on, the first fort, everybody knows that your first fort is one that's made out of, you know, cushions and blankets. 
So yeah, yeah, it's which is interesting because <laughs> it really doesn't. This deck is not a pillow fort by any imagination. Um, mm. uh, you are this deck. I rarely see you play this deck with the idea that you're building up to try and prevent people from swinging at you, and you also don't run it. This deck isn't running a lot of the propaganda style effects where people have to pay more to swing at you and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so it's interesting because I like I I chose this deck for this episode because I was like driving home and I was like, what deck do we talk about? And I I had kind of given up because I was like, I could talk about my Hitetsugu deck, which is like my first deck, my first EDH deck, which I had a lot of help building and like looking back on it like I, I played it like last month and it it's fine um there's a lot that should be honed in about that i think i just kind of added in a lot of like red instants and sorceries that i was like oh that's a good thing right because i had hardly been playing right. commander at the time um and i could talk about my drana mm-hmm. deck but it's it's pretty straightforward it's a vampire deck uh, and then I remembered this deck, and I was like, oh yeah, like that's just like such a fun story to talk about where uh, I I made this deck as a hidden commander deck, because right. it's something that I've been chasing for the longest time. It's my white whale of getting on Sarah's wings onto uh, Traxos and, and uh, Beating Face. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, like that, that kind of, like it, it is exactly what I want out of edh even if i have a handful of counters i like i would rather play the traxos and the on sarah's wings if i had the eight mana um, <laughs> before leaving up you know counter spell so so a couple well basically two questions in one here obviously this is not going to be the final iteration of this deck mm-hmm. do you have cards in mind that you're aiming to add in and on um, the flip side, do you have cards in mind where it's like, these are underperforming, I'm looking for an excuse to take them out? Um, I think, so, to answer the latter part first, um, I'll probably take the Thassa out. It doesn't do a lot. Brago doesn't do a lot. Uh, it They would essentially be in there for pseudo-vigilance. I like the idea of putting in more sagas. With, uh, with Kaldheim, we got sagas back. Um, right. I don't remember if any of them are good. Um, Kind of really going all in on that historic idea. Yeah. Um, I've got one creature that I can't flash in with Raph Capuchin, and that's Nyad of of Hidden Coves. Everything else is either artifact or legendary, um, and that's pretty great. Um, So, like, I don't think I would change much in terms of that. Um, There was a card that I had considered for this deck... Uh, I'd probably take out, honestly, the Immortal Sun and God Pharaoh statue. There's six mana artifacts, which is great for uh, Metalwork Colossus, but uh, they don't do the type of magic I want. Uh, or at least, like, Immortal Sun does, but it's $35. Yeah. Um, I was just taking a quick peek, and uh, for Kaldheim, there's a card, uh, there's a saga. It's The mm-hmm. Raven's Warning. Chapter one is create a one-one blue bird creature token with flying, gain two life. Chapter two is whenever one or more creatures you control with flying deal combat damage to a player this turn, look at that player's hand and draw a card. And hmm. 
chapter three is you may put a card you own from outside the game on top of your library. Hmm. Kind of interesting. There's another one as well. Uh, but however, that one revolves around the foretell mechanic. So unless you're looking to make some significant changes to your deck, <laughs> that one's not going to be as exciting. But um, it's interesting. There's there's definitely stuff out there and all kinds of cards. Um, there were a lot of uh, cards from Commander Legends that uh, I'm looking at now Okay. Um, that generally to kind of add in more card draw. Uh, and kind of make the game a little bit more exciting. Right. Uh, you've got the two courts. Uh, you've got Court of Cunning and Court of Grace okay. to add in the Monarch mechanic. Yep. Uh, Court of Grace also gives you tokens to kind of help chump, um, unless you're the Monarch, and then you get 4-4 four, four Angels. Um, Archon of Coronation is pretty sweet. Uh, it's a 5-5 five, five for 6 flying. When it enters the battlefield, you become Monarch. Uh, as long as you're monarch, damage doesn't cause you to lose life, which is crazy. Very nice. It also says when a creature deals combat damage to you, its controller still becomes a monarch. Um, Canal Carrier, which is from uh, Conspiracy yeah, 2. Take the crown, uh, yeah. Take the crown. Uh, enter the battlefield, become monarch. Yeah. When it and another creature attack different players, it can't be blocked this turn. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, so, like, adding in the Monarch always is a fun idea, uh, but definitely in this deck where I don't really have much card draw, I think that's probably where I would go next. Maybe, honestly, going more enchantment heavy. So, like, the two courts are great. Uh, I unfortunately can't flash them in, but... Uh, and then there's uh, the new the new Popper staple, Fall from Favor, which is a common from Commander Legends. It's for two and a blue enchant creature. When Fall from Favor enters the battlefield, tap Enchanted Creature and you become the Monarch. Mm -hmm. Enchanted Creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step unless that player is the Monarch. Nice. So, like, that's real cool. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that's where I would end up going with this deck. Sorry. Very well. Uh, big big round. Big detour. That's the word. Big, yeah. big round. Uh, but, yeah. Do you... Do you see any cracks in this foundation? Not particularly. Um, I I think that the key well, the key to playing this, like every other um, every other deck that runs a significant amount of blue, is it, you have to be playing it two or three turns ahead. Uh, mm. You know, if you're going to be running counter spells, you need to be keeping in mind what are the kind of spells that I actually want to counter, because um, you want to know that. You want to sort of have that in your head before people start playing stuff. Because if somebody plays something and you have to say, wait a second, <laughs> then either they know you have the counter or they know you're bluffing. Well, it, it just, if at that point you look at it and realize, oh, yeah, no, I, this card isn't really going to bother me that much. So you just say, go ahead. Well, mm. the, everybody's kind of put on notice. Now, it, sure, like I said, you could be faking, but... Practically speaking, everybody knows you're not. So now it's like, okay, does Andy have two mana up for the counter? Can you know what <laughs> kind of counter is it? Can, is it just non-creature, or is it just creatures, or is it just a straight-up counter spell? You know what? What does he have that's that's going to make this happen? Um, but they still know it's there. 
so it can alter the play a little bit but you have to know that you have to know you have to be thinking those few steps ahead and with this deck it's not just the counters it's the flash you know you you want you know you don't want to pass your turn with five mana up and then realize you know you just passed and you know with the idea that you were going to play that that you want to play this enchantment and then realize it, that enchantment in particular is not historic so you're stuck just little things like that you you, you know you, so you want to sort of work out your plans for the next two or three turns before you you know get too far in so um other than that i mean I, i've seen you play this deck to great effect so <laughs> i plan to yeah. many more and uh um, it's uh wrath help also happens to be the uh the commander in my uh in our boxing league for oh, it's yeah. one of my one of my in one of my decks so um i've enjoyed sort of taking a little peek at where it can go when you when you put all 100 cards into it and you've got a little more depth of uh depth of option as opposed yeah, to the, fun dude. the you know 150 200 cards we've got right now so uh, yeah i think i think the the biggest thing that i've learned about this deck is that like this and my my Tesa deck were kind of like my two big like I'm doing this alone moments um, and I think they both have given me this insight where I don't have to keep a deck if it's not doing well or if it's not what I want to do um, they both kind of uh, have shown me how decks can evolve over time uh, and they will only evolve if you make it, um, if you make time for it, if you make the changes, if you are understanding what is going well, what is going poorly, and what is going to plan. Uh, because to plan doesn't necessarily mean good or bad um, with at least how I play. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so uh, it's, it's fun to see how these two decks specifically have been evolving since I first made them. Um, so that I don't have to feel bad when I play them. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Um, I think so. <laughs> thank you all so much for listening to me ramble about a deck that I've had <laughs> in the making for three years. Uh, and uh, if you want to make any suggestions, reach us uh, on Twitter. We're falsepodmtg or email us um, we're falsepodmtg at gmail.com thank you again so much for listening Uh, we are Temple of the Falsepod where our decks are not optimized but our plays sure as heck are fun I'm Andy I'm Bruce have a great night and may your fifth land be the temple bye Hey everyone, Andy here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Temple of the False Pod. Just a few housekeeping things here at the end of the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. Subscribe and give us a review. It really helps out the show. And it'll show us what you like about our podcast. Uh, also, we've got a Twitter and an Instagram. Our handle is falsepodmtg, all one word. So be sure to follow us. 
Feel free to reach out to us there or drop us an email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com and tell us your favorite magic-related story. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to you and to Bruce. He's Mana Burned on Twitter, and I'm Andy Weekend on Twitter and Twitch. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks aren't optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the Temple.